Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Deborah Vogue. Deborah is a crisis navigation partner with over 30 years of experience as a leadership researcher, executive, and advisor. Brene Brown has also certified Deborah as a Dare to Lead professional. In this episode, we chat about Deborah's story and how it's led her to becoming a crisis navigation partner. What a crisis navigation partner is and how we ourselves can lead ourselves out of conflict and crises that arise on a day-to-day basis. So grab your drink of choice, join us, you don't want to miss this episode. Hi Deborah. welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. Thank you for being here. Um, I was so excited when you reached out about what you do as a crisis navigation partner and yeah, and just communication and emphasizing the effectiveness of that. And I was excited to have you on the show looking at your website. I think it's all great what you're doing. So I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more and, um, you know, sharing your experience and expertise. So could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into to this area? Yeah, so I am a person who studied psychology undergrad and then went to business school. And I've always been really interested in where those two things come mm-hmm. together. And I was an organizational change consultant for a long time professionally and a leadership and career consultant too. So I have had my own business for about 23 years, and about three years ago, I was starting to feel like I didn't have that spark about me that I had before. Where I was, I I, st- I started feeling like that some of what I was doing was repetitive a little bit, you know. And so I decided to take some time out and put myself through a process that I go through my clients with sometimes about 
what is the core of my brilliance? What is the core of my unique definition of success? What's most important to me? And I realized through this round of reflection, and I'd done many before, but I realized something I hadn't realized before was that there was a whole through line in my career and in my personal life about dealing with crisis. And that a lot of the times when I was coaching or consulting to leaders, it was about crises that they were in. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of these people that people tend to turn to in really stressful situations. Most people tend to run away from those, probably not like the emergency room providers who Mm -hmm. listen to this show, but you know, your average person turns away from them. And for some reason, I tend to turn toward them. And I realized that what was kind of missing for me about the work that I had been doing as a more generic leadership and career coach and consultant was that not everybody I was working with was facing some sort of time-bound, urgent need. They didn't have some necessarily like this giant hurdle they had to propel themselves over Wow! to get to the other side. And I realized I, I wanted to work specifically with leaders who are at a crossroads or in a crisis. And when I say leaders, I do mean people who run organizations, but I also mean people who lead teams, but I also mean people who lead their families or lead themselves. To me, a leader is a person who notices that they are at choice, even in difficult situations, and is willing to make hard choices to navigate their way through to the best possible outcome. And Mm -hmm. as a crisis navigation partner, I work with clients to help them find where their opportunities are for leverage in the situation. So what they might focus on and what they might outsource to other people. What are the difficult conversations they might need to have themselves? Um, What are the communications that would make it easier? Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of that work now for the past three years. And when I started the crises I was thinking about, all started with the letter D, which was kind of cool. They were all crises that I had been through myself or I'd helped somebody else through, like divorce, death of a loved one, uh, diagnosis. See how this is all cool, how they all start with Ds? (laughs) Dispute, downsizing. And that was in the fall of 2019. And then when I was less than six months into this there was this big crisis that started with a different letter, not D, mm-hmm. that we were all in together. Mm-hmm. And suddenly being a crisis navigation partner was something that a lot more people could identify that would be helpful for them than mm-hmm. previously as we were all in the crisis of the pandemic together. Exactly. So um, how long did the reflection and coming to this place of knowing your strengths, I guess, and also your passion, um, how long did that take you to realize that when you were in reflection? I think I gave myself about two months Hmm. to not have the answer. Right, exactly. (laughs) Inquiry. Okay. And I did exercises that I'd done with my clients as a career coach before or as a leadership Hmm. coach. And, you know, took some time to go off by myself and did a lot of journaling and spent time with people who energized me and asked them for feedback and thoughts. But that was like this, bing, aha moment that I got when I realized that was a 
theme of my life. That really, I had never crossed my mind before, but it was just so strikingly true. And I made yeah. a list, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a list. Wow. Experience with this. <laughs> wow. And so becoming a crisis navigation partner then, is that so that became a different credential for you to to go through or did you is this like did you that I made up for myself right okay (laughs) like I was gonna say did you have to do more training in this specifically because I've heard of the term or the title the the credentials for this are exactly the ones I already have can you believe that I can now (laughs) amazing that's I have background in you know mediation training and Everything that I had done in organizational change and organizational culture and communications and technology and all these different things that I had been interested in kind of came together at this intersection. Wow. So I am in the process of registering the trademark and I have an idea that maybe one day down the road, I might teach other people how to be a crisis navigation partner, according to me. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that even so, everybody would put their own spin on it based on their own life experiences and professional experiences. I love that. I love that um, you came to that conclusion. And I don't want to call it a conclusion, but this next chapter really, and it's been three years and just the timing of it pre-pandemic. And that's what I'm noticing the last few guests I've had, like this shift that they've experienced has been just before the pandemic. And mm-hmm. it's quite, yeah, it's quite remarkable to me. Um, but it, it goes to show the power of recognizing 23 years later, 20 years later, in your case, you know, that you needed a change or that something wasn't lighting you up anymore. And that takes a lot of courage, I, I would think, to do after all that time. Yeah, I grew up moving around a lot because of my dad's job. And so I've always had this notion that after a few years, it can be time to change, shake something up. And as an adult, I haven't moved around so much. I came to Boston from, I went to high school in South Carolina. My family kept moving around. I had already gone to like, I don't know, seven places or something by then. Um, And I've stayed in Boston. I stayed here for business school. But I have found that as I go to like the next level of development and I learn a lot, which I love and I get so mm-hmm. excited and I figure out ways to do things and then I'm ready to kind of up level again. So for me, it's just part of being an entrepreneur to keep yeah, evolving. It's part of the joy of being an entrepreneur is that I can keep evolving because I give myself permission. Too. Yeah. And in past organizations, did, did you ever work in any healthcare organizations, Deborah? I know your background is in psychology as well. Yeah. No, I have tempt in doctor's offices, you know, yeah. but I was uh, younger as a teenager and in my 20s, but I've never worked at a hospital or a mental health facility or anything like that. I've worked with organizations, mm. but not in yeah. them. And, okay, got you. So you consulted with them type thing. Gotcha. So what? So you kind of alluded to this, but what kind of things would somebody, or can you give an example of a story where someone would come to you with a crisis or a challenge in their life that requires them to to overcome and, and get through and lead themselves through? Can you give us some examples? I know you touched on a few, but... Okay, so to my mind, there's two roles that you can be in in a crisis aside from a professional. So if you're a professional and you're a provider that, and you're functioning in your professional role, 
Mm-hmm. This may, may, not, may not apply to you. But if in life, you're either, if you're in a crisis, you may be the, what I call the person zero. So like ground zero, no, the person who is lying in a hospital bed or the person who is in court or the person who is you know, really facing the difficult situation that's happening for them to them at that time. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not the person zero, then you might be the point person who's the one who is primarily responsible for helping the person zero through whatever they're going through. Okay. I have more often been the point person than the person zero. So I've had some experiences of being person zero. And I have found that often the clients I attract are the point people types. And I just think there's not there's not a well-known word or phrase for this that we all naturally use. Mm-hmm. And often people in this role just don't get a lot of credit or recognition for what they're going through as a caregiver or as a leader or as a spouse you know, to the person who's in crisis. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a specific example of a point person who came to me last year because her partner not her business partner, but her life partner, had glioblastoma. Mm. And that, I mean, these are all healthcare providers, so you probably all know what that is. And yes. it's, very, yeah. uh, it's, it's a very tough diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And she needed some help because she had been devoting everything she could to getting him the treatment and the resources and everything he needed. You know, he was diagnosed kind of quickly and then treatment starts happening very fast and it really shook up not just his life, but also her life mm-hmm. and what she could do at work and what she couldn't do at work. She was a vice president of marketing for a technology firm and she was getting pretty burned out because she was devoting everything to him and his care and putting everything out there. And she was having trouble keeping things together for her team the way she wanted to at work and being on the management committee the way she wanted to be the leadership committee at work. And so she came to me asking for help with how she could manage everything. And one of the things that defines a crisis is that a lot of decisions have to be made, usually very quickly, but a higher volume of decisions than usual. And we as humans make a crazy number of decisions every day. I forget the number, but it's like super high. And it's more about like what we're going to have for dinner, but we're just constantly making decisions as we go throughout our day. But then if you're the point person in a crisis, you're making even more decisions. And sometimes you don't have the time to gather all the information that you want. So I'm a researcher and that's just my personality, but professionally, I've been a researcher also. And so I was able to take off her plate one big thing that they needed to research in order to make a treatment decision mm-hmm. and, and go gather information that she could have gathered, but she just didn't have the time and then come back and say, okay, here's the five options for what you have available to you. And here's the pros and cons going in each one of those directions. Mm-hmm. So that was one way that I helped her. And then I also helped her kind of as, you know, having my leadership and career coaching hat on what can we set up for you at work? How can you set your expectations of people differently? What difficult conversations are you facing? How can I help you prepare for those? What 
is on your plate that you can let go of entirely right now, even though you feel guilty mm-hmm. and coming up with a strategy for her so that she could walk alongside her partner a little bit stronger and you know, mm. not so much um, from a burned out place that she had gotten to by the time we got together. Right. And I mean, just the title partner as you like a crisis navigation partner is exactly who you are there, right? You're walking, you're walking alongside with her as her partner navigating this crisis. Um, And even though it starts with one crisis, like you said, that's, that's one of the things I was going to ask is what defines a crisis, but you answer that um, in terms of the, the many different questions and responses that have to be made so quickly. It's literally like life transition for her that just happened suddenly and for him. Absolutely. Yeah, and as a as a healthcare provider, we can relate to our patients that way, right? We end up being the point person and we have to make so many decisions in our day. Um, yes. And we run into like, and it sometimes hits us where, um, you know, and this just happened to me recently where you just get overwhelmed because you're, you don't think you're giving enough to everything, I guess maybe is a good way of putting it. So I love how you you help her look at the big picture. So you didn't just focus on the caregiving side. Um, you also fo- like looked at her work and and just tried to conserve her energy and, um, and she had needs clarity. To- yeah, frankly, Person- it was difficult for her partner to meet while he was busy having a brain tumor. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. Where else? You know, what are those needs? Identifying them and looking at where else can you get them met, and how can we compensate for you? Because normally he was helping to fill those buckets for you, but he understandably can't right now. Right. So, how long does this in her? I mean, in her case specifically, how long would you be um, working with someone for typically who reaches out to you? So it depends. So I try to make things really simple. Some people that I've worked with like to have like a, a container of a package that mm. says, okay, we're going to work together for six months and this is everything you get in the package. And I have one of those and I'm happy to offer it. And then I also have, I can be here for you for an hour if you want. Right. And then later, if you want another hour, that's fine too. And then I also have what I think of as a 10 pack of hours. You know, you buy 10 hours, you basically pay for nine, you get one free mm-hmm. and people use it differently. But usually when I start working with people, it's for at least two or three months. And then some people feel done and they have what they needed after those two or three months. And some people come back and they're ready for another round right away. Some people come back three years later with another situation. Yeah. Well, they keep happening, right? <laughs> life, life keeps happening to us. You kind of touched on this with your story there, which I really appreciated. But this was something I was reflecting on before chatting with you today was because I know you kind of lead with self, right? Like with the person and in terms of defining a leader. Um, is there a difference in how we navigate? And you kind of touched on it. But is there a difference in navig- how we navigate through our personal and our professional crises? Is there a way to keep, I I don't want to say keep the two separate, because I think our professional and personal lives do blend. Um, You know, it it tends to spill over one way or another, I find. Um, So is there, is there, do you find you're looking at both sides always, you know, when you're helping someone or can you just focus on the professional side? In my business? Yeah. I am what I call a brilliance-based professional or Mm brilliance-based entrepreneur. A lot of people have kind of brilliance-based careers or businesses. 
And what I mean by that is you are, you have training, you have education, but you don't have a fixed formula to follow where you don't ever vary from the formula. You have to rely on your own experience and, you know, formal education, but informal experience and everything you know from all the different things that you've studied over time. Somebody with a brilliance-based career or a brilliance-based business tends to follow their curiosity more and then bring varying aspects of their of what they explored to bear okay. a situation, right? So for me, that's how I am. I really, I understand sometimes I'm at work, sometimes I'm not at work. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting paid for this, I'm not getting paid for that. I do <laughs> understand the distinctions, but for me as a leader, as a person, I'm pretty well integrated. And even when I'm not working, I'm often doing things that fit with my work. So for healthcare providers, I would say that the majority of them are brilliant based in what they're doing, unless you're just at the very, very beginning of your training or something. And it's, you know, take these, these five steps and do not deviate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for people with those, um, brilliant based careers, it is important to acknowledge that you're one whole person, a body and a brain and a soul connected and you're bringing all of that to work mm-hmm. and so if you're if i if i'm burned out you know i'm thinking about my client she was she was burned out she was having trouble being the professional she was used to being and she was having trouble being the partner she was used to being it's not like she could take the my boyfriend is a has a brain tumor part of her and park it back in mm-hmm. the house while she went to the office yeah. She's carrying that with her everywhere she goes in the same way that someone who is a physician might be on an airplane just on his way to a conference and then somebody has a heart attack on the plane and they go into doctor mode, but they were just sitting there reading People magazine, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> Don't true. cut off that part of yourself just because you're off. Right. And I, I do think the cult the culture out there around burnout lends itself to that, right? That it's, you know, a personal issue um, when really it is integrative for sure. And I love how you use the word integration there because um, that makes that, that totally resonates with me too, personally um, and professionally. <laughs> it is a professional issue, not yeah. a personal issue. And we're seeing it now with these record numbers of people le- le- leaving their jobs yeah. across the country. Yeah, you can just um you we're reading it, we're seeing it, we and I feel it. Like I can feel the energy around me around there. And and I empathize. I empathize completely. Um I, I was on your website and one of the quotes that stuck out to me is when you there was a quote that said, I encourage women to lead with everything they are. That really like hit me. And and when I think of burnout, I mean Males also experience burnout as well, but women are more um, more prone to it. Uh, we're at greater risk for it. There's more disparity in healthcare, um, you know, gaps and things like that, pay wise, opportunity wise for women. So, can you tell me where that where that quote came from? Can you tell me more about what that means to you, even as I just said it? I encourage women to lead with everything they are. It's <laughs> Bring all the aspects of your brilliance to what you do and to the decisions that you're making, whether it's you know something you learned about in 
you know, knitting class or something, you know, kind of goofy, not at all professional that you took and you end up as a brilliance-based leader where we need to capitalize on and leverage all the experiences we've had and all the knowledge, the successes, the mistakes, the flat out failures, mm -hmm. all of that can be brought to bear to make us more effective as leaders and as professionals. So I am a fan of all of us, men too, bringing everything that we are into our leadership and not a fan of the compartmentalizing. I just don't think in the 21st century in the United States, this is how we function. I don't think that we're on or off very much as professionals. And then with everything that's happened during the pandemic, I mean, mm -hmm. look at how, you know, people were working at their computers while their toddlers were there and they were, you know, it, more and more. So true. It's called upon us now to bring those pieces of ourselves together and let them intertwine. And I say, let's make the most of that. Like there's mm -hmm. so many advantages to it. Yeah. And it can be really hard and drive burnout. Yeah, exactly. It's a one coin. Yeah. And just recognizing all of that, I think, will lead us to which side we want to be on, maybe, and um, trying to get there as as uh, resilient as possible and enough energy as possible, too, or more so, right? I think that the exhaustion piece is is running rampant in, in healthcare specifically. So yeah, so coming to things with solutions has always been, as opposed to just the barriers and the focusing on that has been something I've been trying to stay attached, even personally and professionally, right? So as they both blend together. Um, so what are some key takeaways when it comes to navigating like life's big challenges, would you say? Well, I apparently like to think of things that all start with the same consonant. So yeah, <laughs> the D's, I, as I was doing all this reflecting and thinking about what my messages are when I became a crisis navigation partner, I realized that we're three keys to navigating challenges and they are all starting with the letter c isn't that cool they're mm -hmm. capacity communication and community okay. and they are all capacity and communication and community are all metaphorically muscles that we can build up even when we're not in crisis so that we're better prepared for when crisis strikes. Because the mm -hmm. truth is, a crisis is a time of intense difficulty or trouble or danger. And those are going to happen to us multiple times. We don't know if we're going to live a long lifetime. We don't know exactly what the scope will be and it, you know exactly what it's going to be about. But it's a pretty safe bet that we're going to have them repeatedly. And so what can we do to be ready? So when you ask me about takeaways, that's part of what I think of. Whether you're in a crisis right now or you're preparing for the next time, mm -hmm. you can look at your capacity, you can look at your communication skills, and you can look to your community. So capacity is about what are your internal resources like? And are you trying to do too much right now while there's no crisis? Are your expectations of yourself so high that you're not letting yourself get enough sleep because you're always trying to just finish one more case note or something like that? Right. With capacity, we get maxed out in our capacity when we have too much to do, but we can also expand our capacity 
without letting go of some of those things to do, if we do things like taking time for meditation or taking time to take care of ourselves, to have a therapy session or, you know, to talk out what's bothering us with somebody else. When we take time to breathe or we take time to pay attention to our own needs, which we all have, then time kind of expands for us as a result. Mm -hmm. So that's how you can um, address capacity issues. Community, I say, look at who's in your life that you know that you can turn to and what you can turn to them for. Because when people are in crisis, so often people will say to them, let me know, let me know what I can do for you, Jennifer. I'm here for you. And then if you're in crisis, odds are good, you don't have time to stop and think about how that person can help you right then. So you say, okay, thanks. And then (laughs) nothing happens. So I encourage people to think about who are the people that I know love me, who I love, who want to be there for me, and how could I potentially leverage their skills and interests and qualities um, when I need them. Similarly, think about what are areas of your own brilliance where it's kind of almost easy or effortless for you to give from that, that you can offer so that next time Jennifer's in a crisis, you don't say, let me know how I can help. You say, you Jennifer, I know you really love your garden and you don't have time to water it right now in the summer and what you've got going on. I love gardening. Let me come over. I'm just going to, you know, morning and evening, I'm just going to water in the backyard. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to talk to me. How about that? Would that be good for you? Um, Think about ways that you can be a better community member or that you could draw on people who really do want to help you because we are people, we we want to herd, you know, Mm -hmm. um, together, but we don't always know how in the ways that we live lately. Yeah. And then for communication, I believe that at the root of any crisis, there's difficult conversations to be had, whether it's with healthcare providers or whether it's with people at your kid's school or whether it's with other professionals who are helping you or your spouse or your child. And there's ways to prepare for having difficult conversations and there's ways to get more comfortable having them. So a lot of what I do is help people strategize for those difficult conversations and build up that muscle so it becomes easier to talk about the things that are scary to talk about Mm -hmm. in a crisis. Love that. So um, I, I love all of that, actually. So I love how you talked about with capacity. It's kind of looking at what you have currently and, you know, where you could maybe delegate or let go of. But also, I love how you said expanding time. And that kind of reminds me of the quote, like, busy people always make time, <laughs> you know, because of maybe the way that they that they structure their day and that they um, organize themselves that way. Love the communication piece, too, about having conversations and working that that muscle um, even if you're not in a state of crises so that when it does happen you, you know you're better prepared and maybe easier to talk about rather than run away from and then the the final one about community I love how you touched on that because I, I really do believe that we can't do this alone like uh, you know for every provider out there I just one of the things that I've been feeling lately is that you know, we do need a team. I feel like our patients need a team behind them, but I think we as providers also need a support system behind us. And that's family and 
like our close relationships, but in personal ones, but it's also our team too at work or, or whoever they may be. Right. Not people that you literally work with and next to, Right. but there are other people who do what you do, even if it's other places geographically and being able to turn to them and share stories of your most difficult cases or ask for input on those things. It's so important to have community who understands what we're facing every day in our roles. Love that because that is something I started doing, Deborah. We brought um, yeah. just last week, I think it was, it was the first time I brought a few providers together from all over, um, did a Zoom call and just kind of reflected on our work, our practice, and had these conversations and kind of leaned on each other, shared knowledge, empowered. Um, just listened, you know, supported. So it was really, and it was really good. Like the hour just flew by. Um, and it was like, you know, when should we do the next one? It, you, not going in with any expectation, but literally just having a bit of support there, I think, with people who understand from wherever. Yeah. And those times when the hour flies by, those are the times when you're actually expanding your capacity because you're yes. getting fueled up by exactly. those moments. Exactly. Love that. And do you have any advice for us as, so just to give you an example, not having had communication with, you know, with yourself um, or having had a relationship there before, right? So just somebody on the front lines, like I said earlier, we're dealing with so many decisions a day and we all want to give our, we want to all give the highest quality of care to everybody um, that we serve, right? But we're bombarded with all of these decisions. And when we feel like we're having an acute crisis maybe, or like a mini crisis in that day uh, where everything seems to be happening at once. Like, do you have any advice for those, for the acuity of the situation in that moment for anybody perhaps on the front lines where they can just kind of reset maybe? So I feel a little bit ill-equipped. And so forgive me if I say something that's just going to come across as completely obvious to all of you, because I haven't been on the front lines in the same way that Mm -hmm. healthcare providers have been, especially in the past couple of years. But there is always time to breathe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you don't stop everything else while you're breathing, there's always time to breathe. And if you do that, Research shows that not only does it calm your own body, it calms the body of the person who consciously or unconsciously witnesses you breathing. Mm. So you can be of service just by breathing. And I think that we tend to, when we're stressed, hold our breath. Mm -hmm. So I know for myself, I have to remind myself sometimes to breathe. Yeah, definitely. So I love that because it really just centers us too. And it's something we can do in a moment's time. It's something I'll say, you know, sometimes to my patients, I'll say, you know, just just breathe. <laughs> but it's really something that I should also be saying to myself. And throughout this whole conversation, I feel like, you know, you yourself in your journey and in your story have always practiced sort of integrity, like in terms of where you've been at in your life, right? And, you know, where you are. Yeah, it's, it's quite amazing how it aligns. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I appreciate everything you're doing to support people in crisis and help them lead themselves out of it with, uh, with ease, as much as ease as possible. <laughs> um, do you have any final words for our listeners before we sign off? Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I want to say that. And I also want to say, I don't know if you saw, but before we started, I sent you an email of a link that if you want to share with um, your listeners, it's a link where you can get a one page PDF 
tips on preparing for difficult conversations. Oh, so that. if anyone's interested in that or wants to find more about what I do, um, that following that link would be an easy way to reach me and, and get some information as well. Perfect. So we'll attach that to the show notes specifically okay. if there's a link to it. And then can you tell us where people can connect with you at Deborah? So the name of my business is Connect to Corporation. It's Connect and the number two is the name. But my URL is connecttwo.com. So it's the word two spelled out. So everywhere I'm on social, everywhere and web and my email, everything is at connect to. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for all you've shared. I'm just so happy that you've found this place in your journey um, and that you're, you're enjoying, enjoying things and supporting others along the way. So thank you so much. Thank you. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.